You are listening to the Grace Capital Church Podcast, broadcasting from our Pittsfield campus. So when Mike called me about, I don't know, probably two months ago or so, and said, I need you to preach on May 29th, what do you think? I said, sure, I'll do it. And he's like, you don't want to pray about it or anything? I'm like, no, I'll do it. I can do it. Um, What Mike didn't know is, a few weeks before that, the Lord had been talking to me about um, doing a little deeper study on pre- prepping for messages. Um, the church that Mary Beth and I attended, just a little history about us, um, that we attended prior to um, coming to Grace, we were there for almost 20 years. Uh, for about 15 of those years, I was an elder. The last eight years I was there, I would be what you would call a preaching elder. I probably preached a couple times a month. Um, there was a period of time when our senior pastor went on sabbatical for six months, and I actually became the pastor there for probably six months. I preached two or three times, uh, managed the church, worked my job 40-plus hours a week, and I, I look back now and I think, how did I manage to pull all of that together and not go crazy? But, um, but as it turned out, I got my turn about six months later to go on a six-month sabbatical, uh, fully intending to return to that church uh, as an elder, and about halfway through that time that we were away, the Lord spoke to me and said, your time there is done. You need to pick up your tent stakes like Abraham, and I'll tell you when you're home. Uh, and so we wandered for probably six months, uh, church to church throughout the Concord area, and settled at Grace Pembroke. And even then, I would say, and Maribeth would agree, we weren't completely settled. We knew we were in the right place. And then they started talking about Pittsfield. And that's when we decided that we were home. And so I want to let you know that this is our home. Seeing, seeing the love you guys have for other people, the love you've shared with us, the encouragement you've given to us uh, through some difficult times, uh, really has solidified for us that uh, this is where God wants us until he wants us somewhere else. And so I thank you for that. So today I'm honored to be here uh, and sharing with you. And I thank Mike for the opportunity. So we continue our series on family today, and a few weeks ago we heard from Pastor Kathy on Mother's Day about being a mom, and not just about being a mom, but how important it is to um, be a mom and to guide our kids in the ways of the Lord. And so that was a a great message. Then we heard from Pastor Mike before they went away on marriage, and that marriage is hard work, that it takes time, it takes uh, a commitment. that it's about taking care of our helpmates and making it all work. And then last week we heard from Pastor Mike Kopfer from Laconia, and he talked about the importance of submission and forgiveness, not just in the marriage relationship, but in relationships overall. And so today we continue our series, and we're going to talk today about honoring our parents. And so we're going to look at the fifth commandment in Exodus 20:12. So if you have your Bibles, you can go there. Um, I'm honored again today because my parents are here. They came to hear their son speak today. So I pray that I can honor them as well. So in Exodus 20.12, Scripture says, Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. So when God gave Moses those Ten Commandments, they came on two tablets of stone, right? He would carry them down uh, from the mountain. 
And tablet number one had the first four commandments on it. And those first four commandments were focused on, God's re- on our relationship with God, this relationship. And the second set of tablets were the last six commandments, and it focused on our earthly relationships, this relationship. So this would be natural, given that we have those two relationships that we have to deal with. But what is interesting about this breakdown is that each tablet begins with a similar commandment. Tablet one, the first commandment on tablet one is to honor your God as Heavenly Father. And the first commandment on the second tablet is honor your father and mother. So these first commandments at the top of each tablet were the starting points for everything that followed. You got to get first things first. Get them right and everything else below them will flow just fine. So let's look at it a little closer. On the first tablet you have, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make idols. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain and remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. So if you have trouble with the first commandment, right? If you have trouble uh, having no other gods, then it's probably likely that you will make other idols. You will probably take the Lord's name in vain and you likely will not keep the Sabbath holy. So you have to get the first one down before you can accomplish the other ones. So let's look at the second tablet. Honor your father and mother. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. And you shall not covet. So a similar pattern exists here. In the Jewish culture, honoring your father and mother was of utmost importance. And it is today. If you can get that first relationship down, then the relationships that you have with other people should go just fine. So now what I'm not saying to you is that if you don't honor your parents, that you're going to become a murderer, an adulterer, that you're going to be a thief or a liar or a covetous person. But what I'm trying to say is that your relationships with other people won't be as good as they can be if you're not honoring your parents. Because that's the first place we learn to honor our parents. There is a very real link between our relationship with our earthly parents and how we interact with our Heavenly Father. And so we learn to honor God through learning to honor our parents. You will notice that there is no one else in the Bible that God commands us to honor. There's no one else. In that list of Ten Commandments, it's honor your father and mother. Everything else is you shall not. You will also notice that honoring our parents is the only command in Scripture that promises long life as a reward. That your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. But while it may be regarded as a reward, it's also a reason. You see, no generation knows better than ours the terrible consequences of growing up without a father. Fatherless boys are more likely to commit crimes, mistreat women, and act out against authority in every other way. Girls who not have a father to honor and hopefully to love as well are more likely to seek the wrong kinds of men and become uh, promiscuous at an early age. If you build a society in which children honor their parents, then your, your society will survive a long time. That's part of Exodus 20.12. It's not just about us living a long life, but it's about our society as a whole lasting generations and generations. But the opposite is also true. If you have a society that does not honor their parents, that society is going to be doomed to destruction. So, do you want to change your world? 
Do you want to change society? Do you want America to be great again? It's not about who's going to be president. It's not about which party controls Congress because we can't control those things. What we can control is we can honor our parents and we can raise children that honor parents. That will change our country. That will change our world. So there are two truths to consider within this commandment. There's the call to honor our parents and there's the call to be honorable as parents. If you want your children to honor you, then you should act honorably. And acting honorably includes honoring your own parents. You see, I love being a parent. Not every day do I love being a parent, but most days I love being a parent. And I can't imagine life without my two girls. If you've ever said three or more of the following statements, then you are likely a parent. Do you want a time out? Don't make me pull this car over. I told you to finish your homework. Here's my, clean your room. Turn the music down. Don't get smart with me. If everyone else jumped off the bridge, would you? And another one of my favorites, because I said so, that's why. So now, if you've, said, if you've said all of those statements more than once in the last week, you definitely need a vacation. Um, because that's just way too much stress. So. But parenting is an acquired skill. It's not one that we are born with. God knows I had to acquire it, and we all had to acquire it. And so it's a, it's a, a skill that we will never master either, because we will never be perfect parents. We always told our girls that we didn't get a handbook. We're going at this on our own, one at a time. But as Christians, we actually have a handbook. We have this as a handbook for raising our children. And Exodus 20:12 is a good place to start. This commandment reminds children to respect their parents and parents to respect their children. You see, the family serves as a child's primary center for education for health, for housing, and nutrition. I always used to joke with my girls that the state of New Hampshire requires me to provide you food, shelter, and clothing. It didn't tell me that it had to be Nike, you know, whatever and whatever. You're going to get what you get because that's what I'm required to do. But there's more than that because it's up to parents to provide security and love and understanding. Home is where children learn to cope with life, to manage their lives responsibly, Home should be a safe place for them to discover themselves and to learn about God. While teaching our children, we find the core of these lessons are about respect and obedience. Look at our society and you will see the many problems that we have. And I believe the basis for these problems comes directly from a lack of respect for authority. I believe this disrespect is a direct result from the deterioration of family values. Values are to be taught in the home. If we cannot teach our children to respect our authority, we cannot expect them to respect the authority of others. We were in Dunkin' Donuts this morning on the way here, and I I was just looking around waiting for my coffee, and this mother came in with her daughter and one of her daughter's friends, I'm uh, I'm guessing. But they were coming in, and the two girls walked to the door, and someone was coming out. And they wanted to just, like, rush past and get in line. 
And the mother pulled them aside and said, you always open the door and hold the door for the person coming out. And I'm thinking, okay, there is hope for society still, <laughs> right? We still have some hope there. So those values should be taught in the home. And when our oldest daughter went off to school, the, I think it was the second or third year she was uh, in school, she became a residence assistant. And um, she would come home on break and just tell us stories of the way the students there disrespected her authority. And she was actually amazed by it because we tended to force respect of authority in our house. It was a, a, a big deal to, to respect us as your parent. So the fifth commandment here sets forth the biblical foundation for honoring those that are in authority. So what are the requirements of this commandment? Like many other things, we tend to make this commandment harder than it really is. So to answer that question, I want to first look at the things that are not required in this commandment. This commandment does not require us to think that our parents are perfect which is probably a good thing since I don't know any perfect parents and I'm not one myself. It also does not require that parents actually be perfect because total perfection is never part of the job description as a parent because it's not going to happen. We have to realize both parents and children that there are going to be mistakes, there will be disagreements, there will be hurt feelings, there will even be arguments. Yes, there will be arguments. It happens. It's a reality of life. But we need to realize that we can work through the difficult times in ways that please God, not through anger. We're not required to believe that our parents are always right, nor does it mean, <clears throat> nor does it inspire us as parents to believe that we are always right. Yes, I said it, parents are not always right. It happens. While it can be difficult to admit that we are wrong, if we and our children can admit our fallibility and place our trust in God rather than in ourselves, our relationships will be that much stronger. Hmm. Unfortunately, our parents will not always act honorably. In some instances, children have been totally embarrassed by the actions of their parents. It's true, right? We've all been there. We're not required to think everything our parents do is acceptable or even honorable. Another thing that's not required is that we have to be just like our parents. That's not required. I love the game of soccer. I've played soccer since the time I was four years old. Uh, I coached most of my girls' soccer teams until they got into high school, and even with my oldest, I coached her indoor soccer team until she graduated. So my youngest daughter was playing one year, and we tried to limit our kids' activities so that we didn't go crazy as parents. So there was this one year that she was playing soccer and dancing, and I was coaching two soccer teams, and it was like every night of the week we were out either doing soccer or dance or church. Or, and so we were talking one time with our, our youngest, Lauren, and I said, you know, you're going to have to decide. You're going to have to decide whether you focus on dance or whether you focus on soccer. And she was very stressed out. And I said, look, Lauren, you are a good soccer player. And I love the fact that you like soccer, but you are a fantastic dancer. So go do what your heart wants to do. And don't worry about the fact that you don't 
love soccer the way your dad loves soccer. It's okay. I'll go watch you dance. And I've watched her dance for, I don't know, almost 15 years. But we do have the love of the Patriots together, so that, you know, that works perfect. <laughs> it's perfectly okay. What I'm trying to say is our children don't have to be carbon copies of us. And in a lot of cases, that's probably a good thing because sometimes we don't want our children to be carbon copies of us because we've walked through things we wouldn't want them to walk through. So let's not make them carbon copies. Our job as parents is to guide them according to the principles of God's word and to let them make the best decisions that they can. So what does it mean to honor our parents? The word honor comes from a Hebrew word that literally means to be heavy or weighty. It means we are to give great weight or, or importance to our parents. We're to hold them in high esteem and treat them as people who have profound value. It means that we acknowledge their position of honor in our life, listen carefully to their instructions, and we're faithful to guard their reputations. So let me put it this way. If we can't honor our parents who we can see, how can we honor our Heavenly Father who we can't see? Turn with me again, if you would, to Ephesians 6. I was telling my oldest daughter, she was home uh, early May after her graduation from college, and I was telling her I was preaching, and this was one of my uh, scriptures, Ephesians 6, 1 through 3. And before I could finish the word Ephesians 6, she had the verse out of her mouth, because <laughs> that was one that she memorized a very long time ago. Children... Obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you, and that you may live long in the land. You see, our example for obedience to our parents is Jesus, because Jesus was obedient to his parents. Our example is Jesus for honoring them and giving them the weight that they deserve. His affection and respect for his mother was manifested from the cross. If you remember, he was concerned about her care and her well-being. And in John 19, 26 and 27, he says to her, Woman, behold your son. And he turns to the apostle John and he says, Behold your mother. And so he passed on the responsibility for his mother to the apostle John. And that scripture ends with, And John took her home which meant he took her into his home and he cared for her from there forward. So Jesus had that focus, that honor for his earthly parents. So just as Jesus gave weight to the importance of his parents, we should give our parents weight in our lives. This commandment simply means children, obey your parents. God tells us to obey our parents in the Lord because this is right. The parent is the ultimate authority figure in a child's life and it should be expected that children will obey them. Their word should be final. If parents make a mistake, then it is incumbent upon the parent, not the children, to correct the mistake through open and honest communication. About eight years, maybe it was even more, eight or 10 years ago, I was driving through Concord and I had my girls in the backseat of the car. And we were driving somewhere and I was on a mission. I had this focus. And I'd been having a very, very long week at work, and things were stressful. It may have even been when I was bivocational pastoring and being stressed out, who knows. But I was driving down the road, and they were in the back seat, and they were arguing and arguing and arguing. And I turned, I, we were at a red light, and I turned around, and I just like 
exploded out of my mouth all over them. <laughs> and they just sat back like this. And so the light turns green and I go about three seconds down the road and the Lord says, you need to fix that. And you need to fix that right now. And I went, okay. So I pull over into the next parking lot and turn around and apologize. It was me. It was not you. That wasn't the right, all those things. For them to then say, well, dad, we were just play fighting. <laughs> Thank you very much for play fighting. <laughs> That's a good one. I said, because you try not to play fight anymore. That really stresses me out, you know? <laughs> I always joke with Maribeth, we were going to try and play fight in front of them. But I said, we couldn't keep a straight face while we were doing it. So it's not worth it. <laughs> so parents are not to be dictators, but neither are they to allow the children to become the parents. So for all the teens that are listening to this message, perk up your ears and listen for a few minutes, because you might not always agree with your parents or their actions, but you have an obligation to give them respect. I believe that parents have a certain amount of respect simply granted to them because of their position, a position granted to them by God. You can disagree with a punishment, you can disagree with an attitude or a statement that your parents make, but you must disagree respectfully, not through yelling, screaming, and slamming doors, but through talking about your differences. This does not mean, however, that children can't become angry. Anger is acceptable, but how you display that anger is what makes the difference. So another story about our girls, because this is a parenting message at the end of the day. We all instructed our parents that if it was fine to disagree with a decision that we made about whether you were going to be allowed to go here or there or do this or do that. But our suggestion was that if you had an angry response to that, that you go have that angry response in the mirror in your room until you could figure out how to come back to us in a respectful manner to share your opinion. Because if you don't like the decision you have today and then you disrespect me in your response, you're not going to like anything beyond that. Because, dis because respect for me is a very serious issue. I demand respect because I'm a parent and I should have that respect. Maribeth is a teacher. She has that respect in her classroom. And a lot of schools, that's where the disrespect is. They disrespect that authority. And, re and respecting that authority is the only way we're gonna solve the issues we have in our, in our country and in our world, because that is a serious issue. So it's okay to disagree with your parents, but you need to disagree respectfully. Now you can go back to doing what you were doing. <laughs> so before I close with a few final thoughts, I want to give you some practical ways to honor your parents. First, spend time with your parents on their agenda, not yours. That may mean visiting faithfully or calling them regularly. You see, I have it easy because my parents live with me, so I have dinner with them probably five nights a week. So it's easy for me to visit with my folks. However, I do go upstairs and watch the Patriots game when my daughter's not around because I have that love with my father as well. A second way to honor your parents is through handwritten letters. Our world is losing the power and the impact of the handwritten word. It means something when you take the time to actually handwrite your thoughts to someone. I do this with my parents primarily in cards, you know, Father's Day cards, birthday cards, 
I would, they would probably tell you that most of their handwritten notes for me are, Mary Beth and I are out, leftovers are for dinner. <laughs> right? That's probably the, the majority of the communication I give them through handwritten notes today. And sometimes it's not even on paper, it's on the whiteboard that's on the fridge. So they can just... Third, a way to honor your parents is to never underestimate the power of saying I love you. Can you ever say I love you enough? Almost all of us love our parents and we often take it for granted that they know this. So when was the last time you said to them I love you? So mom and dad, I love you. A final way or another way, a great way, is to honor your parents by writing and presenting a tribute. This will require time to sit down for an extended period of time and write out a tribute. List the things you appreciate about your parents, the way they have provided for you, cared for you, or showed love to you over the years. Include the traits you admire about them. Your tribute doesn't have to be long. What matters most is that your words flow from your heart. When you're finished, type it and have it professionally framed and then read it to your parents on a special occasion, such as a birthday or an anniversary. And even if your parents have passed away, you could still write a tribute to honor them. I wrote a tribute to my parents probably about 18 years ago now. I'm going to read it to you. But I typed it up and I framed it, and I gave it to them. We... Um, we were doing a family reunion. It was, I believe, their 40th wedding anniversary. So this was 18 years ago, because they'll be married 58 years on June 14th. So. So this is my tribute. It says, a tribute to Bill and Gail McGann, also known as Dad and Mom, or Pop Up and Grammy. If I only had had more time, I would have told them this or that. This is a statement that should not, have been, should not have to be made in a family that loves each other the way that we do. I'm writing this tribute to you, Dad and Mom, so that you will know how much you both mean to me and to my family. I will always remember how you always cared for everyone. You always took care of your six children and still had time to take in and care for anyone who had a need you could meet. The Carlini kids, Bob Conover, even the guy Bill brought home from the bus station one night. Why? The Bible says, command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. 1 Timothy 6.18. You lived out in your life these words. These people needed a fresh start, and you offered your home and your resources to provide for them. I share my life with others today because you showed me what unselfishness was all about. Where you found the time to be so dedicated to Hope Lutheran Church while bringing up a brood of six plus was always a mystery to me. You both were so active in our church, committed to seeing it prosper and offering your service where it was needed. Sunday school coordinators, altar guild, women's group, church council, liturgist. You never backed out of a commitment that you made. Dad, I remember when you asked me to think about becoming a liturgist as a teen. The decision was easy. I did it because I wanted to be like you. I wanted to have something to be committed to as well. I did it because I respected how you and mom served God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. I see some of those same qualities in myself as I am a leader in my church today. I lead because God has called me to lead and because I had parents that modeled true Christian service. This commitment overflowed into your work as well. I can remember that dad almost never stayed home from work sick. If he did, you knew he was sick so he couldn't get out of bed. 
Mom, you were always up so early to receive your first daycare child. I admire the way you and Dad found the way to provide for us in many ways. You worked at home to help with the income, and it was always comforting knowing I would be getting off that school bus and you'd be home waiting for me. I knew lots of kids who do not have the same feeling of safety. To this day, when I wake up feeling kind of under the weather, I always think of the two of you, always getting up and working, regardless, because you had a family that needed you. Now I get up and go to work because I have a family that needs me. You were there for important decisions in our lives. I can remember wanting to drop out of college and telling Dad I was going to work a year as a teller and then go back. And you responded with a statement that showed just how much you really knew me and the situation I was going through. You said, if you stop now, you know you will probably not go back. Don't make a lifelong decision because you're hurting. That simple statement spoke more about your love for me than anything you could have done or said otherwise. You cared enough to speak from your heart while always leaving the decision for me to make. All of these memories and lessons are things that I'm thankful for because now that I'm a parent, I can lean on the things I learned from you to bring up my family as well as you brought up yours. You have modeled for us what it means to be loving parents involved in the lives of their children. You set an example of what it means to have an active relationship with God. You've modeled what it means to love your neighbor as yourself. You've modeled a strong, growing, and loving marriage between two people. How do I know you've modeled all these things? Look at your children and their families. We're all doing the same things in our own homes. We all have husbands or wives who are committed to life or to, committed to for life because that is all we know about marriage. You should be proud of who you are and what you have accomplished because we are proud of you and we love you. I'm blessed because God gave me parents like you. My one desire is to create a family like the one I had. I'm thankful that you are now Pop-Up and Grammy and that my children can learn the same things from you that I have. I'm grateful because although we may not raise our children exactly as you did, you never step in and try to change what we are doing. You're always there for questions and concerns. My girls love their Pop-Up and Grammy very much, and so do Mary Beth and I. I would encourage you to write that tribute if you have the time. And if you need some help, I read a book called The Blessing by John Trent and Gary Smalley. And I recently found a book by Dennis Rainey called The Forgotten Commandment, all about Exodus 20, verse 12. And he goes through those same steps that I outlined. I wrote that 18 years ago, as I said, and about six months after that, we ended up buying my parents' house and moving in with them. And so my children have grown up. Lauren was, what, two, three? Um, she grew up with her grandparents. Uh, and so it has been uh, a wonderful 19, 17 years, 17 years that we've been there. So I'm certain that there are many people today, here even, who find it very difficult to honor and respect their parents. Writing a tribute may be the last thing you would want to do, and yet the Bible commands us to honor our parents. And this is where this commandment becomes so difficult. You see, it's easy to honor parents who loved and nurtured you, parents who made sure well, they were always there for you when you were hurting. Parents, those kinds of parents are easy to love and respect and to honor. 
And I truly have had the privilege of having parents like that. But you know that they weren't perfect because I've already told you that there aren't any perfect parents. But what do we do with a parent who has emotionally or physically abused their children? How do you honor them when deep in your soul you might actually, actually hate them? It could be there. Abuse of authority, using the trust God has placed in a parent for their own gain and satisfaction, is a horrendous sin. And know this, that God will call those people to account for their actions. But Bob, you don't know my position. You don't know my parents. You don't know the pain. You can't imagine it. And you know what? You're right. I can't. Because I didn't live in that household. But many struggle with the past or the present, and that struggle is real. So today I want you to know that God weeps with you in the midst of that pain. Abuse is a perversion of God's will. It's not what he meant, and it's not what he wants for you. And although there are no simple cures to a painful childhood or a painful adulthood, the biblical pattern for recovery begins with honesty. Honesty with yourself, honesty with God about how you can deal with those things. One of the most difficult things to ever do in our lives is to forgive someone of abuses that have shaped us into the people we are today. Receiving and granting forgiveness leads us to the path of peace and healing and new life. We must forgive those who have sinned against us. Forgiveness is the cure to letting go of the past. You remember last week when Mike shared that we must forgive in response to the great gift of God's forgiveness for us in Christ. And so we forgive because he forgave us. This commandment, though, never says that you have to bow down to that abusive parent. You don't have to stand for what they do to you, or, or, but you are called to honor them. Honoring your parents doesn't mean you have to like them or want to spend every holiday with them. It means that you do not shame them or take cheap shots at them by degrading or humiliating them. You know all of their weaknesses, but it's dishonoring to use your knowledge of their failings as ammunition against them. You don't have to condone their actions. It's not easy to let go of the pain that we've endured, but harboring resentment in your heart only pulls you further down, and that's not where God wants you to be. Honoring your parents, even if they do not have godly qualities, shows God's character in you to your parents. I'm going to say that one more time. Honoring your parents, even if they do not have godly qualities, shows God's character in you to your parents. So be the one to break the dishonor cycle. What better way to show parents Jesus than to honor them in the midst of dealing with the hurt and the pain? Remember what I said earlier, if your children see you honor your parents, no matter how difficult it may be, the chances are good that they will honor you as well. Kyle, if you want to come up. I know it can be challenging to honor parents, and especially parents who may not have acted or do not currently act honorably, but it is for your benefit and our society's benefit that we follow the fifth commandment and honor our parents. But for those that are challenging or struggling with a challenging childhood or adulthood, know that we have Jesus. We have the one, the one with ultimate authority and complete power to heal. We have Jesus who never abuses that power. 
He never pushes it beyond where it ought to be. He never betrays our trust, never degrades us, never cops out on promises or commitments. He's faithful. He's the one that the Bible describes as Father, a perfect heavenly Father. Jesus referred to him not only as Father, but when he says Abba, it literally means Daddy. That is the tender way Jesus viewed God, and it is the way that we can view God as well. God is a parent who loves perfectly in a way that we can always count on, always reach to, and always trust. Why God allowed the abuses in some families to take place, I don't know. But we have an opportunity to stop that pattern of abuse by not passing those abuses on to our children and our loved ones. We also have an opportunity to call on God and experience the love of a daddy who desires to reach out to each of us, to comfort and console us, to encourage and equip us, to guide and to guard us, to hold and to heal us, to provide for and to protect us and to listen and to love us. Finally, when God says if we honor our parents, we will live a long life, I believe this refers to the way that we act in our lives. When we harbor that resentment, when we hold that anger inside of ourselves, it will lead to shorter lives because of the actual damage it can do to our bodies. Honoring parents can sometimes be pretty easy and at other times can be the most demanding task we have to do. But he does not, God does not always ask us to do easy things. <clears throat> but a sign of our growth is evident, that when it is, is evident when we can honor our parents in all aspects of our lives. Today, God is calling you to honor your parents. And so I challenge you to honor your parents and give weight to them in their lives. I want to offer an opportunity for prayer. So if our prayer teams would come down front while Kyle plays, I will close in prayer. And you're dismissed. But if you, if you have that challenging parent or that challenging situation and you want to pray through that, our prayer teams will be here. And we just want to say thank you for this morning. And I'll close in prayer. Father, we thank you, Lord, for bringing us together. We thank you for who you are and how you work in our lives. And we ask, Father, that as we go from this place today, Lord, that you would give us uh, ways that we can honor our parents so that we can live long in the land. And so, Father, I thank you for today. And we just ask that you be with each person. In Jesus' name, amen. You're dismissed. Thank you for listening to the Grace Capital Church Podcast. If you'd like to know more about this podcast and the mission that we have in New England, or if this podcast has been a blessing to you and you would like to support this ministry financially, please visit us online at gccnh.com 